today on Ag News Daily. One of the things when I was an intern and all three of my internships, I treated it as if I was a full-time employee. Um, in which, I mean, granted you are, for, as an intern, you are for three months, but I treated it, you know, how can I be there to give them the most Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. Ashton, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Delaney. How about you? I am fantastic as well. I just had today is very exciting. My one year anniversary with Trader PhD Ag Marketing. So it's been a fun, crazy year. We were my leadership team and I were sitting down and chatting about my past year and there's been a lot of changes, but it's been really exciting for me on a personal level to just take a deeper dive, learning the commodity markets. And hopefully that's reflected through to the podcast to our listeners. I hope they've gained or gleaned some new insights from me. I've been trying to talk a little more analysis in commodity markets and hopefully my knowledge of the industry as a whole has just gotten better, but it's been really fun. Well, congratulations, Delaney. Thank you. I had a pretty exciting morning myself. Um, I don't know if they have them up there in Iowa, but have you ever heard of Dutch Bros Coffee? I don't think I have. So I've seen it on social media before. I think it's more like in the Western states like California, Arizona. I know they have some in Washington and I assume Oregon, but they just opened a new location in Lubbock. And so my roommates and I, we went and braved the long line. It only took 30 minutes, which wasn't too bad for the amount of cars that were there. But I've got to say, this is top-notch coffee. Well, I am not really a coffee drinker myself. Uh, My coworkers here know that if they're going to order me something, it should be the sugariest drink on the menu that tastes the least amount like coffee. So I can't relate to you there, Ashton. Ah, gotcha. Well... It was a pretty big moment for me. I like coffee, so (laughs) it was really exciting this morning. But Delaney, I just have a a quick question for you. Have you read the Global Ag Network newsletter yet today? You've caught me. I've got to be honest with you. I haven't had time to read it yet today, but I saw the headline and I'm certainly excited to read it. Well, I researched some of that yesterday and I wanted to mention it on the podcast because it was super cool, but I didn't want to get give anything away. But now that the newsletter has gone out and it's been submitted, I want to talk about that headline. So it's about Two Track Mind, which is a docu-series that Nutrient Ag Solutions is doing with NASCAR. And I thought it was super interesting because we watched NASCAR growing up. It's pretty big here in the South. We went to Texas Motor Speedway when I was a kid to watch some live races. I've been to the Indy 500 track in Indianapolis. So it was really exciting when I saw this docu-series. So basically, Nutrient Ag Solutions has a NASCAR driver that represents them on the track. And his name is Jeb Bolton. I can't remember his last name off the top of my head right now. So you'll have to forgive me. But this is season two, and it's Jeb's first season. The first season of the the docuseries. I can't remember the driver's name who was a part of that, but basically they follow the driver around the U.S. as he's, you know, making stops at races. He's also touring farms that are local to that area that he's in, and they're learning more about agriculture. And this season is about sustainability. Both of the men who have been on the docuseries have backgrounds in agriculture. So I thought that it was like 
really, really interesting that NASCAR of all things is teaming up with Nutrient Ad Solutions to educate consumers. Well, that certainly is interesting, Ashton, but this isn't really the first racing arena that agriculture plays a role in because there's a really cool car race, IndyCar race that happens every year just outside of Iowa. The Iowa Speedway has the Iowa Corn 300 every year. Super interesting. Um, I think it's a two-day event usually. It looks like they are having it this year too. I just pulled up their schedule here in July, but I believe that all of the cars use ethanol during this race. I'm not positive on that, but I know ethanol is usually a big player at this event as well as the uh, Corn Growers Association, but it's a pretty cool event. It sounds like it. I just think that it's really interesting that these two industries are teaming up together to educate consumers and share the stories of producers everywhere. Absolutely. They're definitely putting on a good show for agriculture. But let's see here, Ashton. While we're talking a little bit about commodities and some outside news, Cargill today has announced plans to break ground on a new canola processing facility in Regina, Saskatchewan. And this is supposed to or intended to support the growing global demand for canola products. The company said that they expect to begin construction on this $350 million project and should have it finished here by the end or early on in 2024. So take a couple of years there to get this facility fully built and modernized. But uh, they said, especially in Canada, canola is a huge market there in the country. And as we continue to see the growing demand for canola products and agricultural products worldwide. Cargill says that this is an easy, easy move for them to build another facility in a, in a Saskatchewan for all our Canadian listeners. Well, Delaney, I have an update here. You reported a, a couple of weeks ago about the partnership between the Kansas City Southern Railroad and I believe it was the Canadian Pacific Railroad. And they had mentioned or announced that they were doing a partnership, but now it looks like there's going to be a bidding war between Canada's two major railroads as they're attempting to purchase the Kansas City Southern Railroad. CP had announced a $25 billion deal to acquire KCS in March, and competitor Canadian National has now filed an unsolicited $30 billion bid to acquire Kansas City Southern, which has strong north-south connections from the heartland deep into Mexico. Mike Steenhook with the Soy Transportation Coalition says agriculture has witnessed several mergers over the years, but he was quoted as saying, unfortunately, they have often resulted in a decrease in service or an increase in freight rates. So certainly that's something that we remember whenever there is a proposed merger and acquisition. Steenhook also said that KCS is highly coveted because of their extensive work developing rail connections into Mexico. He says Canadian Pacific already has several agricultural customers in the Dakotas that benefit from access to the coast. And access to Mexico is why several ag interests have endorsed the CP package, especially for soybeans. This is a a pretty big thing because Mexico is our second destination for soybeans right behind China and the first in soybean mill. So it's pretty interesting how this kind of relationship is going to play out for those producers. 
Steen Hook says that he is waiting to judge which proposal is going to be better for his members, but the offers will get a lot of scrutiny from the Surface Transportation Board. He was quoted as saying, in mergers and acquisitions and consolidations, the alarm bells tend to go off more when you've got the combining companies with a higher percentage of the market. That certainly would be the case if Canadian National acquires Kansas City Southern. I think this is really interesting because Canadian Pacific had already made that announcement that they had put a bid on Kansas City Southern, and now this other company is coming in to kind of pull the rug out from underneath them. And so I don't know exactly what's going to happen here. It's a bidding war. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye out on this, you know, not to call out Kansas City Southern, but I we had been trying to secure a interview with them, but it kind of makes sense now on why we're not really hearing too much back because it sounds like they've got a lot on their plate right now to figure out. It certainly does, Ashton. It certainly does. Another thing we're waiting to see how it's figured out is how much China actually buys as far as U.S. imports are concerned. USDA's latest trade data shows that while China hasn't committed to new crop corn purchases during the last seven-day reporting period, the U.S. did ship plenty of grain to Chinese buyers. And so far, U.S. corn exports to China from April 9th through the 15th totaled 560,000, just over 560,000 metric tons, which is about eight Panamax-sized ships full of corn. Now, we are, of course, waiting to see if China does follow through and hit a record-breaking 28 million metric tons for the 2020-2021 marketing year as they're trying to refill their domestic reserves and you know, also use that as feedstuffs at the same time there to rebuild their hog herd. But uh, we've certainly seen it being very supportive for commodity markets. We also saw today, Ashton, a USDA cattle on feed report that pointed to cattle on feed up 5%. That report, of course, was released today at 2 p.m. And showed that there were more than, or a total of, I should say, 11.9 million head on feed with in feed lots of a thousand head or more as of April 1st. And this inventory is just 5% above April 1st of 2020. I think this kind of makes sense though, because as you think of where the supply chain sat during COVID, we saw a lot of the protein market have to pull back some of their supply. We saw a lot of slaughtering facilities you know, shut down, idle, or have to reduce their slaughter capacity. So it does make sense to me that we're kind of now starting to see some of these cattle shift through the pipelines now. Well, Delaney, I've got some bad news coming out of the Middle East. And really, it's bad news if you are a producer in Lebanon, because Saudi Arabia has declared that they are going to ban imports of fruits and vegetables from Lebanon, blaming an increase in drug smuggling. Lebanon is already in the throes of a deep financial crisis that is posing the biggest threat to its sustainability since the 1975 through 1990 civil war. Its ag minister said the move was a great loss and that the trade was worth $24 million a year. The Lebanese foreign ministry said that it had been informed of the ban through the Saudi embassy and the foreign minister had related to top officials. Now, this ban is set to take effect from 9 a.m. local time this upcoming Sunday. 
Saudi Customs Authorities at Jeddah had foiled an attempt to smuggle in more than 5.3 million Captagon pills, which is a type of amphetamine hidden in pomegranate shipments from Lebanon. Now, it's unclear whether or not they have really proved that this is exactly coming from Lebanon. I mean, there hasn't been any, I guess, pushes into solving this mystery on where the pills came from or anything. But Saudi Arabia is taking a pretty big jump and just blanketing a ban on Lebanon. So I don't know if we have a big following in the Middle East or anything like that, but it's definitely going to cause a shift between the two countries. It certainly sounds like it might, Ashton, but I tell you what, I am all out of news for today. What do you say we talk markets? Let's do it. Well, we took, we saw just uh, commodity markets take a little bit of a breath here after we saw huge moves to the upside yesterday. And while we did finish mixed in the corn markets, we finished higher in the sweeping markets. May corn today up five cents to end at 655 and a half. The D's down two and a half cents to close at 550 and three quarters. In the sweeping pits, the May contract up six and a half cents to close at 1539 and three quarters. The Nove down three and a quarter cent to close at 1341 and a half. Hopping over to take a look at the wheat markets today. They were also higher as the Chicago May contract up five and a half cents. Excuse me, as the May contract unchanged today to close at 710 and a quarter. The July up a penny and a quarter to close at 712 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets. We had some mixed trade in the live cattle complex today as the June contract closed down 12 and a half cents to end at 115.72 and a half. The August up 12 and a half cents to close at 116.85. Now in feeder cattle markets, we saw some major strength today as the May contract up 65 cents to close at 137.67 and a half. The August up $1.52 and a half to close at 149.90. Lean hogs also higher today after a few days of pullback with the May contract up $1.90 to close at 109.35. The June up $2.17 and a half cents to close at 105.72 and a half. And lastly, wrapping out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures. May 21 cents higher today to end at 1889. The June closing the day out at 1908, 26 cents higher. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our Ag Grad 30 under 30 discussion for today. For today's 30 Under 30 conversation, we are talking to Jordan Bonham Rasmussen, a farm marketer for Cargill. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So, of course, before we get started kind of talking about what you do currently, let's talk a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? And maybe talk to us a little bit about your college experience. Yeah, so I grew up in Southwest Ohio. Um, I grew up on a family farm. Um, grew up around corn, soybeans, cattle my entire life. Um, no other, it's the best way to be raised in my opinion. I absolutely love growing up on the farm and it taught me really a lot of great lessons, um, that I've now taken on later in life. Um, so I graduated from high school and was actually voted most likely to stay in my hometown. Um, I went on to be, um, a student at Ohio state university, um, where I, majored in agricultural communication, and then I had two minors in production ag, um, and then in international social and economic development. 
Um, and when I was at Ohio State, I really wanted to focus on learning as much as I could in the ad communication field. But then at the same point, I wanted to, I knew I eventually wanted to end up in sales, um, but I wanted to test out different parts of the agriculture industry to figure out, you know, which route I wanted to take. Um, so I ended up doing an internship in um, seed sales was my first summer. And then the next summer, um, I did a internship with chemical sales. Um, and then my last summer, I did one in grain marketing. And <clears throat> at the end of that summer, I just really decided that while all of all parts of um, the agriculture industry are super fun, I just really liked grain marketing the most because it literally changes every day, every hour, every minute, every second um, with the markets. And so I knew it would be a fun challenge for me. And so that's just kind of the route that I decided to take um, after college. And here I am still. I think it's really interesting that your job basically changes day to day, just as you said. I mean, we're kind of in a weird time, I'll say, with markets and kind of what's kind of pushing them. So can we just take a little bit of a look on maybe what the past few weeks have kind of looked like for you? What has that experience been like? Yeah, the past few weeks have definitely been very interesting. Um, there's days when my phone is really, really quiet, and there's days when I cannot keep up up with the phone calls that I get. Um, so it's like I said, it changes every day. Um, and so it keeps it fun. But um, the the biggest struggle in the last couple of weeks is, you know, talking to, I work closely with customers, a customer list in our draw area uh, to buy their corn and soybeans. And basically I'm working with them to best manage their grain risk. And so, you know, it's trying to figure out when is the best time to sell for them and their operation specifically. Um, and, you know, that takes a lot of factors into play, you know, how, how far sold are you? How much do you have left to sell? What do you think you're going to raise? What's this year look like for you? Um, it, you know, all the, all the things. And so it's, you know, talking to each customer and trying to figure out that relationship um, to help best serve them. So it's, it's been very interesting the last couple of weeks, but it's been fun. So I kind of want to talk a little bit more about your experiences as an intern for Cargill and now being a full-time employee. I think that a lot of people, I mean, me included, when they do internships, they would kind of like to see the result of getting that full-time position. So what was that experience like for you? And maybe what's a little piece of advice that you can give to those students who are in internships right now that are looking to join the team once they do graduate? Yeah. So one of the things when I was an intern and all three of my internships, I treated it as if I was a full-time employee. Um, in which, I mean, granted you are for, uh, <clears throat> as an intern, you are for three months, but I treated it, you know, how can I be there to give them the most value out of the time that I had for that, that company? Um, and so that was, I think, one of the biggest things that really helped me in all of my internships. Um, and so my chemical and my grain marketing internships were both in Nebraska. Um, and so that's a long ways from Ohio. I was in Nebraska with both of those internships and uh, finished up my one with Cargill. And basically we had exit interviews with every intern and, you know, we just kind of reviewed, you know, what did you feel like you brought to the team and to the company during your time and review that and put together a presentation as well. And just really try to display the value that I did bring. Um, as well as the value that I could bring as a full-time employee and just really try to express how passionate 
not only about what I did, but what I could do and wanted to provide as well full-time. So I was lucky enough. They asked if I was interested in a full-time position and where I kind of wanted to be. And I said, I'd love to come back to Nebraska and was lucky enough to be offered a full-time job. And now Jordan, apart from working at Cargill, you also have a side business of doing photography. And you said earlier that you were interested in learning about the different facets of ag communications when you were in college. So is this just the facet that kind of best suited you? It is. I found that I really, truly loved all of my courses and experiences in the ag com world when I was in college. And I really missed that um, when I came out of college and went to, went to be in sales. And so basically my photography business was something that I decided I wanted to start as a side gig. So that way, you know, I can feed that creative side um, in my brain. And so it's just kind of grown from there over the last couple of years. And it's been really, really fun. Well, Jordan, I have certainly enjoyed kind of getting to know you. And I just have one more question before I let you go. And that is, you know, what's the most exciting part of being on the 30 under 30 cohort for this year? We had a pretty tough year in 2020. And so I feel like this is kind of a trophy, I guess, after that kind of tough year. So what was that news like for you? Um, it, it was great news. Um, I feel com- so honored to be on this list um, with the other 29 individuals. Um, it's truly a really great list of people across the entire industry who are all doing um, really, really awesome things. And so it's just been really fun to get to know some of the other uh, members who were selected to be a part of the class this year and see what they're doing. Um, some of them I knew beforehand and some I didn't. And so it's been nice to connect with them and uh, to grow. And kind of like you said, it's it's a nice thing that it, with everything that 2020 brought was just really nice to kind of, you know, give a pick me up and realize that, you know, I, I am doing some good and uh, hope to continue that and continue to um, keep doing what I'm doing and provide the most that I can for the people who follow behind you. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, thank you again so much for coming on today and congratulations for being a part of the 30 under 30 class. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks again there to Jordan for coming on and talking to us today. I think it's quite interesting to talk about, you know, going from an internship right into a full-time job after college. I mean, nudge, nudge. We'll see if that happens over here, you know, Delaney, just uh, giving you a heads up, I guess. But <laughs> I've still got some time, but we'll see what happens. We certainly will. And Ashton, you're not an intern anymore. We've changed your title officially. Yeah, I guess you've got a point. You've got a point. <laughs> well, folks, be sure to tune in with us next week as we continue covering the business of agriculture. Joining us on Monday for markets. I'm not going to give that away yet. But do tune in with us to hear the latest discussion, because especially right now when markets are hot, you want to make sure at least you're tuning in for our Monday episodes. But if you've missed any of our past episodes, you can find us at agnewsdaily.com. Ashen, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.